From E-Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town, celebrating more than 30 years on the air. We continue with highlights from the E-Town archives this week, including one-of-a-kind performances by Teddy Thompson, Suzanne Vega, Cindy Lauper, Charlie Musselwhite, and more. I'm Helen Forster. Right now, here comes our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Helen. Hello, everybody. Welcome to E-Town. Hope your summer is going well, that you can find all the places you need to go swim or cool off and relax. We have a lot to get to this week. As Helen mentioned, we've got some great musical guests, and we're going to revisit one of our Achievement Award winners, too. That's all this week. Up first, a couple of New Yorkers, one born and raised there and one a transplant, Suzanne Vega and Teddy Thompson. These performances are both from back in 2011, uh, both recorded in Boulder, and we're going to start out with the very talented, musically pedigreed performer, Teddy Thompson. This is a duet that uh, the lovely Helen is going to sing with me. Thank you, Helen. Very welcome. What a pleasure to sing with this man. <sighs> you know, privilege, would you say? Yes, well... Once in a lifetime. I mean, listen to the voice that well, you're hearing. You get to sing with that, you know? You're welcome. Baby, 
Teddy, welcome back to E-Town. Still living in New York? Yeah, I live in, um, in New York. So we're on the east coast of the United States. <laughs> it's far away. Far away from here, eh? Mm. I came on an aeroplane. Yeah. yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's good, yeah. yeah uh, would you describe this new uh, project as being confessional or more autobiographical or sort of uh, an honest assessment of what's going on in your world these days? Yeah, it was autobiographical at the time. I yeah. mean, that's the only... I don't really know how to do it any other way. Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to just write about what's going on. Unless you're really good. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, and if you're kind of a top-notch songwriter, if you're really polished, and if you're Randy Newman or... Uh, or uh, who else does it? It's people that can write really good uh, third-person songs and yeah. songs about characters. And I mean, you still have to... It still has to come from you, but... I'm not, I haven't got good enough to do that yet, so I have to just go through it all. Yeah, you have to live it. Live it. Yeah. So the music that you heard when you were growing up, I just noticed almost for the first time on this record the degree to which your voice reminds me of, you know, some of my favorite singers like Roy Orbison and, you know, some of that sort of 50s uh, American music. Is that music you heard when you were a kid? Is that sort of deep inside you, that stuff? Yeah, that's all I listened to. That's, that was my first musical love just when I, I mean, it was the Everly Brothers was the first music I remember hearing and liking, and uh, it's maybe still my favorite music, actually. So, It's interesting when you think about uh, kids and how they just kind of latch on to stuff and take it in and absorb it. It's amazing how those influences can stick. Yeah, they do. They, it's, uh, yeah, those formative years really uh, shape who you are. Right. Now, um, the, the Flowbots or songwriting is more ab about politics and current events and stuff. Have you ever tried to sort of delve into that world at all? I haven't really. Um, I, I get the feeling that if I was to write something about Libya, by the time it came out, it, would be, right. it wouldn't be as relevant. I mean, it's about two years for me between writing a song and it being released. So I could guess where the next, yeah. where the next trouble spot's going to be. Antarctica, I think. Yeah. yeah. So I could do that. I could write a song for any possible right. scenario. Right. Around the World in 30 Calamities, yeah. Yeah. my new record. And I'd be the yeah. first one on it. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's not do, let's not do that. Okay. Yeah, don't do that. Um, five records under your own name. That's a big accomplishment. I mean, five records of mostly original material. One was a kind of country covers, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, but that's a lot to have accomplished. I mean, I think it's... Thanks very much. No, it's tricky. To make a record is a very Bravo. public thing. Wow. Yeah. And um, uh, are there any collaborations that have been just sort of, oh boy, I really can't wait to do that again? You know, those kinds of things where you've had a sort of serendipitous opportunity to sing with someone or play with someone. You go, oh, okay, I got to do more of that. Lots of them. I mean, yeah. lots of them, you know, and lots of people that have become friends and people I love to sing with. Um, but I, there's lots of people I'd like to sing with that I haven't yet, but I'm sure they'll get word of me. Yeah. Well, maybe we can help now. Any of them that you care to mention? 
I think Dolly Parton listens to this yeah. show. Yeah, out of Nashville. Oh, that's really my, that's my number one. Yeah, she is. Lifetime abs- dream. She's up there, man. She's great. Uh-huh. She's a great singer and writer. Well, I think, it's, I think it's, um, it's a constant sort of reinvention and trying and getting out there and seeing what happens. And I really appreciate you coming back here because I think this is a brave thing to do also. Play music with a bunch of people you don't oh, yeah. know and haven't played with before. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is brave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I take that, you know, you're coming back is a good sign, so. It made the trend continue. Yeah, yeah, well, you guys, you guys are amazing. It was, uh, you made it very easy. Well, thanks, Teddy. Let's get back to music. Welcome back. From New York City now, Mr. Teddy Thompson. Yeah. 
just flows Sunshine, lollipops, rainbows I think I'll go Please welcome back to E-Town from New York City, Suzanne Vega. Thanks. There's a great picture of you on your website, and I think you must be like six or seven years old, just sort of red hair. And it's the one with the front tooth missing? Yeah, maybe a front yeah, tooth I think missing. So, yeah. 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 Six, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I see that picture, I get the feeling that most of uh, the Suzanne Vega that we know is, is there already, you know, at six. Pretty much the same. Yeah. More or less. A little taller. <laughs> a little taller. A little more vocabulary. But not I, bet much. You, I bet your vocabulary was pretty good back then. <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah. It was In, in two languages, maybe. Notable. Did you have musical or uh, creative heroes or heroines back then? At six, I mean, uh, my stepfather. Was there a favorite song? My stepfather was because he uh, he was a writer and a novelist. He wrote short stories. He wrote poems. He wrote songs. Yeah. And then uh, I guess the usual like Alice in Wonderland and uh, children's poetry. Robert Louis Stevenson. But you were also a fan of Mad Magazine. Oh yeah, that came yeah. later. Yeah. Ten, eleven. <laughs> When you started writing, I mean, you just, because your stepfather wrote, I guess there's a way of feeling like you have permission or that it's okay or that people do that, right? It hadn't occurred to me not to, Yeah, actually. I loved rhyming things and I loved all the little songs. My stepfather was Puerto Rican, so I had a Puerto Rican grandmother and she sang little songs to me. And I loved that side of the world where things rhymed and they had rhythm. And I loved the radio, too, I have to say. All the babysitters. In my neighborhood, listened to Motown records. Yeah. So yeah. I had an earful of that and the Beatles. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Now, when you started writing songs, was that a different part of your uh, brain, you know, as the, from the part that was writing poetry or writing other things? Yeah, it was much harder. I just loved the idea that songwriters had a sort of mystic place in society. They mm -hmm. had a special role, especially someone like Bob Dylan or mm -hmm. Leonard Cohen, who I discovered later. You could write songs that were on the radio that were top 40, but you could also write these other incredible songs that had a, a spiritual purpose, and I kind of felt connected to that world. And, and, uh, and this close-up series, is there, maybe you can just share with us, there's three volumes, and how are they organized? Yes, there's three volumes. There's going to be four total. The first volume is um, volume one, and it's, uh, I put all the love songs on one collection. Uh, and then the second one is called People and Places, and so that has the more objective songs, the songs that have characters like Luca and Tom's Diner and in Liverpool, and those ones that people have called more journalistic. Volume three, which is 
called States of Being are the what I call the freakier songs, the ones that I used to jokingly call the mental health songs. <laughs> and these are also all together, so if you like that side of the songwriting, right. <laughs> you can get really deep into it, and if you don't like it, you can buy volume one or two. It's mood music, but it may not be a mood you want to be in for yeah, a long time. for a long time, yeah. right. And volume four is family, and uh, that's kind of a mixed bag of things, since for me, family involves ex-husbands and so on. Yeah. Um, so quickly, before we get back to music, you mentioned this play about uh, Carson McCullers. Yeah. So that's opening up yet another uh, avenue for your creativity. It was a huge amount of fun, and I'm going to do some more work on the book and hopefully write a few more songs. It's actually a continuation of a play that I had written back when I was in college. I rewrote the whole thing, but it's something I'd had in on the back burner for ages. Mm-hmm. 30 years, actually. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're getting caught up. Yeah. And maybe you could just share with our audience what inspired you, particularly about Carson McCullers. I mean, she was an author and and a Southerner and certainly... uh... I love her characters, especially her children, uh, which feel real to me. I think children are really hard to write about. I love her as a person. I really feel for her. She had a very difficult life, but a kind of blunt truthfulness that always came through in her writing and came through in her life as well. And I feel that the things that she wrote about, the idea of human rights, is deeply embedded in what she wrote about and is still very contemporary today. I think she was way ahead of her time. Yeah. Well, I just want to congratulate you on, on a, uh, a long and interesting road thus far. And it seems like you're still in the thick of things and you know, discovering and creating and uh, out there touring. And Yeah, I really love it. It's yeah. the life I had imagined when I was a kid. Well, congratulations, Suzanne. We're going to get back to music. Welcome back. From New York City, Suzanne Vega. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks. We're going to do a brand new song now. This one is called New York is My Destination, speaking of New York. Uh, It's a song that I wrote for a play called Carson McCullers Talks About Love. This is Carson McCullers' vision of New York City. She was a woman from uh, Columbus, Georgia. It was her dream to live in New York. This is her song about what, how she imagined it was going to be when she got there. New York is my destination. New York is where I will be from. New York is made for grander things just like I will lunch at the Algonquin Swing by the Plaza Walton In the Three Arts Club I'll live there indefinitely Cause New York is made for Grander things just like me Literati, yes, they will love me Paparazzi, well, could this be glitterati? Well, they know of me. New York's waiting for me. All of the tales of seduction glittering on the horizon. Mountains of fame and fortune and snow, finally. 
Cause New York is made for grander things just like me. Literati, yes, they will love me. Paparazzi, well, could this be? Glitterati, well, they know of me. New York's waiting for me. All my money for Juilliard. I hid in a phone booth at Macy's. I slept in a brothel on the way to my destiny. But New York is made for grander things just like me. Literati, yes, they will love me. Paparazzi, well, waiting for me New York is made for grander things just like me Suzanne Vega Jerry Leonard on the guitar the CD is called Close Up Volume 3 States of Being in New York City Suzanne Vega Thank you, Suzanne Vega. Thanks, Teddy Thompson and the E-Tones and Helen. We're going to be back with more from the E-Town Archives after a short break. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by our family of supporters, including Charlie and Leanne Sander, Brad Feld and Amy Batchelor, and a special thanks to Ed Littlefield Jr. for your continued support. And by our diverse family of NPR affiliates and community stations, plus college and commercial stations, as well as our international stations and podcast subscribers worldwide. Thank you for your continued support. In case you tuned in late and you've missed some of this week's program, the E-Town Podcast will have this episode and others, along with content from past shows as well. It's available for free in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, and other podcast directories. You're listening to E-Town. Welcome back. I'm Nick Forster. We've got lots of music coming up. And as you know, for years and years, we shared stories of people doing outstanding things in their hometowns through the Achievement Award. This week is no exception. We're going to revisit an award winner from back in 2011. The organization is still going strong, by the way. Let's go back to the E-Town stage 11 years ago for the Achievement Award. 
right now, before we get back to music, though, every week we get a chance to share with you a story of someone that uh, we learned about from one of our listeners. These are folks in different communities around the country who are um, inspired to make things better right where they are. And typically these are folks who just start small. They just get an idea. They see a problem and they want to make a difference. They want to make something happen. And typically these things add up as often um, small steps do. So we get to recognize these folks on the radio, present them with something called the Achievement Award. It's made possible by a grant from the Bohemian Foundation. Here comes Helen Forster to tell you about this week's winner. Thanks, Nick. This week's nominator is Chad Utterson of Parker, Colorado. Chad, who listens to E-Town on KVCO, is nominating Dave Talbot of Denver, Colorado. Dave had polio as a young kid. As happened in many cases, he was permanently physically impaired by the effects of this disease. He uses crutches to get around, and he knows firsthand what most of us take for granted, how precious freedom of mobility is. Years later, Dave was working on a documentary in Africa with his wife, who's a filmmaker. The poverty level of the local population there was sobering enough to witness, but Dave was especially shocked to see how many people were in desperate need of something as simple as crutches. Without a way to be mobile, they had no hope, without a chance of any kind of normal life. Dave returned to the States determined to make a difference in whatever way he could. Well, fast forward to today, and his efforts are making a huge difference. And uh, Nick, I'm happy to say that Dave is here with us in person to tell us more. So let's bring him on with a warm E-Town welcome. This week's Achievement Award winner, Dave Talbot. Dave, thanks for being with us. Nick, it's my pleasure. Yeah, I'm glad you could join us. Hey, uh, Helen mentioned that you got polio. How old were you when that happened? I was two and a half. Two and a half. Yikes. Yeah, I was just starting to get my wheels. You oh, know? man. And that stopped all of a sudden one Saturday morning. Oh, boy. Is that how it works? It happens just quickly? Yeah, I, I, you know, they thought I had the flu. I got up the next morning, and I couldn't move. Wow. That began a whole new part of my life. Wow. So, um, and then you, uh, then you did some traveling as an adult. Yeah. I was looking for a lot of meaning in my life, and in Africa, I found that. This woman was standing in a church, and now everybody imagine this. Her right foot was touching the back of her right shoulder. So her femur was completely twisted around as the effects of polio. And she was using literally a green tree branch that somebody had pulled off of a tree that morning for. Heavy, fat, big old gnarly thing underneath her armpit. And I was so stunned that I couldn't even take pictures or do any video. But I've got that freeze frame in my life right there. It was one of those, mm -hmm. oh yeah, moments. And yeah. so I realized we use crutches on a very short-term basis a lot of times. Sprained ankle, you know, a, a skiing injury, something like that. Right. And it gets hung up in a garage. And then there's other scenarios where people use walkers or wheelchairs and again, the family doesn't want them after grandma passes on. Right. And what do they do with that stuff? And so I realized that I, if I collected this and shipped it over to Africa and worked on giving it away for free. Absolutely. So um, polio is a disease that we don't hear a lot about anymore. I mean, it's largely Thank been eradicated. Thank God. Yeah. yeah. And lots of our listeners, I suspect, might not even know that it's such a big problem elsewhere in the world, but it is, of course. We're down to four countries. Part of India, part of Pakistan, part of Afghanistan, and a little bit still in northern Nigeria. Right. 
But um, just like my own polio changed my life and changed my family's life, mobility that reaches into a family, it changes them dramatically. Yes. Listen, there's people that are chained down in their huts in Africa because their families are ashamed that they've got somebody with a disability in their family. And so it opens that up. It is, it is freedom yeah. in a lot of ways. Oh, it's a big thing. What does it cost to ship something like that? We call a, a pair of crutches, a cane, a walker, or a wheelchair. We call that a unit. It's three bucks a unit to get a door. It's a cup of coffee. A fancy cup of coffee. Yeah, a fancy cup, yeah. <laughs> and so how do you raise the dough? Awareness. You know, a lot of times it isn't even a necessity to ask for it because it's such a level that at $3 a unit, anybody can jump in there. Right. A container is 6500 bucks for a 40-foot container. Denver to Mombasa, Kenya. Wow. Full of stuff. Yeah. And uh, is this an all-volunteer effort? Yes, sir. Bunch of volunteers? Uh, we're collecting in a lot of different states, and of course, all of our volunteers in Africa, but it's got to be hundreds of people that are working for us, and the number of emails that I get every day from yeah. all over the place. That's cool. Yeah. And, and are, so are you a volunteer? Yeah. And how much time does this take, this work? Oh, my gosh. Um, all of it. Wow. And Dave, when did you start all this? 2005. And uh, any idea how many people have you've been able to help since then? Well, right now, we're looking at about 13,000. 13,000 people. That's yeah. pretty cool. Wow. And, you know, it all comes from that image that's burned into your brain of, yeah. that, of that woman in Uganda, that one image that has led to all this stuff. And if you amplify, of course, 13,000 people, but their ex extended family and the folks that used to carry them around and, you know, all of that stuff. I mean, this has really made a big difference. Well, congratulations, Dave. We've got a Framed Achievement Award certificate for you in honor of your efforts you could share with your volunteers. Um, we're always touched by these stories when somebody just gets a good idea and sticks to it and keeps going and turns out it really does add up and make a difference. And, um, and you're living proof of that. So congratulations, Thanks, and really, Dick. you've got an awful lot to be proud of. And um, if somebody wants to learn more or see pictures or any of that stuff, is there a website or anything you they can go to? You bet there is, yeah. Crutches for Africa, and it's the number four. Crutchesforafrica.org. Just Google us and you'll find us. Crutchesforafrica.org. Okay, cool. Well, congratulations, Dave Talbot, winner of this week's Achievement Award. <laughs> Great work. Thank you, Dave. Congratulations again to Dave Talbot, who's still going strong. Up next, we are staying in Africa, sort of, with our next musical guest, Mohamed Alidu and the Bijung Family Band, although we recorded him here in Colorado, where he lives part of each year. He's going to be followed by singer-songwriter Martin Sexton, but right now, here's Mohamed Alidu and the Bijung Family Band on stage at E-Town from back in 2011.
Bahamut Alidu, the Bizung family. It's Matt Wasuki, John Frickless Welch, Johnny Jamo, Jubal, and uh, Selassie Atiasi, and Atado on percussion. Originally from Ghana, now living in Boulder, Mohamed Alidu and the Bizung family. Please welcome back to E-Town, Mr. Martin Sexton. Hello, E-Town.
Martin Sexton. His CD is called Sugar Coating, along with the E-Tones, Ron Jolly, Chris Engelman, Helen Forster, Christian Teal. Thank you, Martin Sexton. Thanks to Muhammad Ali Du and the Bizung Family Band. We'll be back with more from E-Town Archives after a short break. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. As a reminder, for your viewing pleasure, there are over 2,000 videos on the E-Town YouTube channel, where you can also subscribe in order to stay up to date with our latest offerings. And if you're curious about E-Town's home base, E-Town Hall, our beautiful solar-powered music venue, community center, and recording studio located in downtown Boulder, Colorado, you can learn more about it on our website, etown.org. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town on stations like KSMU in Springfield, Missouri, on KVCR in San Bernardino, California, and on WVTF in Roanoke, Virginia. As always, if you'd like more information about any of the things that we're up to here at E-Town, you can find out all kinds of stuff at etown.org. Welcome back. We are continuing to explore some of the best moments from E-Town over the years. In this next set, we're going to travel to the Paramount Theater in Denver for a show with two artists you wouldn't normally associate with each other, pop star Cindy Lauper and blues legend Charlie Musselwhite. Well, Cindy made a blues record back in 2011, and Charlie was an important part of her touring band at the time. We're going to start out with Charlie Musselwhite live on stage at E-Town from back in 2011 at the Paramount Theater in Denver. Now, we're going to try something we've never done before, but uh, this music is kind of like, goes everywhere. I guess it started, uh, you know, just in the country, singing in the fields and uh, playing on people's porches. It's definitely a folk song. I remember hearing people sing it in the factory I used to work at in uh, Memphis. People just working it on the line in the factory. Part of the, just growing up in Memphis. <laughs> Thank you. 
the summer I worked all the fall Took my Christmas In my overhauls And now she's gone And I don't worry Cause I'm sitting on top of the world Thank you, Helen. Charlie Musselwhite, how about that, huh? Thank you. Um, Charlie, I mentioned before that this new CD of yours, called The Well, it seems a little bit more introspective. I don't know if you're thinking about your legacy or your life, or you've certainly been through a lot in your life, but uh, this feels like it's a little more autobiographical than some. Well, I write about what I know. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, the title of the album is The Well, because actually there's a tune called The Well on that album. And it's a story about uh, when I quit drinking. <laughs> it's kind of a long story, but, uh, well, thank you. <laughs> uh, next month it'll be 23 years since I had a drink. <laughs> and, and that was a long time coming. I mean, this was something, you know, when you got to Chicago, and you first came up from Memphis, you're in this wild scene, and you, you drove around, as I mentioned, getting to know all the clubs and all the bars, and uh, you, you, well, uh, you found a home there, didn't you? Well, when I was in Memphis, I was, uh, besides other forms of work, one of them was moving moonshine. From, oh, that's right. From uh, Ripley, Tennessee, down to some other parts of the country. They used to say in these dry counties and dry states, we're voting dry as long as we can stagger to the polls, you know. <laughs> And uh, 
I used to go out in the country and get these five-gallon cans of moonshine and deliver them. Anyhow, it was a culture of alcohol. Everybody yeah. I knew drank. Yeah. It's a Southern tradition. When I got to Chicago, all these guys I met there, they were all drinking too, you know. Wasn't nothing about getting on stage sober. We are all partying. There was a party atmosphere at these blues clubs. Right. But my consumption kept going up and up and up to try to reach that old glow that I used right. to have. And I got up to where I was drinking two quarts a day of liquor. I mean, I was drinking every minute I was awake. And I'd keep a bottle on the floor by the bed. I could find it if I woke up at night, you know, to go back to sleep. Wow. Somewhere in all that haze of alcohol, I had a, an awakening or something like, man, you, you can't keep doing this. This is crazy. Right. So I'm driving to work one night, claiming I had to get there really early to get a parking place so I could get belly up to that bar. And I'm listening to the news, and uh, this little girl named Jessica McClure is filling a well in Texas. And she's about a year old or something, just a baby. And she's down in this dark well with a broken arm in a real life-and-death situation. And I was really moved by this. I wanted her to live. She was being so brave, she was singing nursery rhymes to herself down there in the dark with this broken arm in the bottom of a well. I thought, wow. And here I am on my way to work to do something I know perfectly well how to do. What's the problem, you know? Why can't I just get on stage and do it instead of having to have a drink? Yeah. I thought if I could be at least a fraction as brave as she is and go to work like a normal human being. You know? And as a prayer for her to get out of that well, I said, that's it. I ain't going to have a drink till she gets out of the well. And it took him about three days to dig some sideways down to get her out. And anyhow, by those three days, they, and when they got out of the well, I was out of the well too. And uh, so it was like getting a reprieve off a of death row. You know, I got my life back and uh, everything in my life got better. And uh, it still every day feels new. You know, I feel like I'm free again. And uh, if I can do it, anybody can do it, you know. Yeah, or probably I'd be dead by now. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're not. Life is good. Yeah. I lie. Well, uh, should we, should we, um, can we get a listen to that song, that song called The Well? Well, why don't we just do it? Why don't we just do it? All right. Welcome back, Charlie Musselwhite.
Dump all my demons Set myself free As a prayer for her to live And escape that dark well I quit all of my drinking Crawl out of that shell Charlie Musselwhite, Northern California. The CD is called The Well, out on Alligator Records. Along with the E-Tones, Chris Engelman, Christian Teal, Ron Jolly, Helen Forster singing backup. Charlie Musselwhite. We have time for another song, but first I want to thank all of our guests from this week for once again sharing their archive performances. I want to thank our production team, Todd Ayers, Henry Zimmerman, and a special thanks to Helen Forster. We're going to leave you with the finale from that show that I was talking about with Charlie Musselwhite and Cindy Lauper. Here they are doing a classic Staples Singers song. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town.
This is a production of E-Town. All right, part two of our 2011 Best Of show. Who would have thought that Suzanne Vega and Teddy Thompson and Cindy Lauper and Charlie Musselwhite would be in the same show, but they were. I'm Nick Forster. Thank you for listening.